So last week we talked about um, we talked about crafting or developing um, a servant's heart, developing the heart of a servant, and we looked at some scripture uh, from the Gospel of Mark, where two of the disciples had asked Christ to place them into positions of uh, notoriety, place us into positions of authority, place us into positions of power and uh, influence to which Jesus responded that the greatest among you must be last and uh, those who wish to be first must become a servant or a slave to all for even the son of man even Christ himself did not come to be served but to serve I told you that the true heart of a servant just doesn't come naturally to us we are naturally egotistical self-serving people if we were to be honest with, with ourselves so having the heart of a servant just isn't something that really comes natural a lot of this stuff I reminded you last week that we have discussed over the last several weeks and months doesn't come natural to us. Forgiving our enemies doesn't come natural to us. Uh, uh, praying for our enemies doesn't come natural to us. Not seeking retaliation and revenge about, against people who have harmed us, people who hurt us. That stuff doesn't come natural to us. A lot of stuff that Christ calls us to and teaches us, particularly in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, just doesn't come natural to us. And again, we discussed a good bit of that last week. But even though they don't come naturally, they are still things, whatever you want to call them, if you want to call them ethics, if you want to call them personality characteristics, I would say it's really the very condition of our souls that we are called to become these things. We're called out to live and to be disciples of Christ. And Christ very much tells us very easily, very simply, very plainly, what it looks like to be a true disciple, what it means, what it looks like to have a true godly heart that loves God and, and loves others, even though it doesn't come natural to us. I told you the bad news that we can't force ourselves to become these things. It's not within our own self-will. We can't do this. Thankfully, however, we do serve a very powerful God, and we serve the kind of God that because he wants us to become this, he's, he will help us to become these things. He will help us to conform, to develop that heart of a servant, for example. He desires for all of us to embody all that Christ commands. That's his desire. That's what he wants us to be. That's what he wants us to become. This is how the grace of God works in our lives. He wants to provide all of this to us. He wants, he doesn't, he's not just telling us, hey, love your enemies. He will provide that to us. He's not telling us, hey, have a servant's heart. If he's not willing to give that to us, unfortunately, once again, we still get in the way. We can resist the will of God is what I'm getting at. We know the will of God most of the time. Whether we embrace it, whether we're able to submit to it, it's another story. So yeah, we can resist it. However, God still wants these things for us. And I, and I believe, you know, if we're, truly, if we're truly seeking to be Christians, you know, what we've talked about this, I think, in my first or second week here. What, is the, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be a follower of Christ. It means to be a disciple of Christ. I told you guys that a disciple, by its very definition, is a learner, one who imitates, one who emulates his, his or her master. And in this case, our master, of course, is Jesus Christ. We're seeking to develop that heart and that nature and those personality characteristics, whatever you want to call it, of Christ. Again, unfortunately, we can't do it ourselves within our own self-will, self-willpower. 
So how do we do these things? How do we become these things? Maybe a better way of putting this is how do we allow God to submit our hearts to these things? Am I making sense? It's a difference between resisting God and developing Christ-like character, so being able to submit to God. How do we do these things? Well, we, we, we talked about one way last week. We went through a prayerful exercise that I'm sure a lot of y'all thought was really weird, but we went through this prayerful exercise of reading Scripture, and it involves slow, intentional reading, reading of Scripture combined with uh, a careful examination of what we were reading, a careful meditation on what we were reading, and probably more importantly, or most importantly, it involved, it involved us actually conversing with God over this Scripture allowing this scripture to, to penetrate every fiber of our being and allowing God to seep into every fiber of our being through that scripture in hopes that God's grace will work through that scripture and work through that time of prayer to change us. In hopes that through those types of prayers we can become submissive to the will of God and that he will indeed change our hearts and mold and shape us into these things. Because again, that's what he wants to do. Another way that we do this is simply through basic Christianity 101. And that's what Kevin and Paulette talked about this morning, and that's prayer. Prayer. Kevin said it best. I think, I, I think it was Kevin who said it. He said, we as Christians have the most powerful tool at our disposal, and that's called prayer. But do we really believe that? And better yet, do we really actually place that into practice? Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Putting prayer into practice. We're going to be talking about basically how to pray. And we're going to be discussing this for the next several weeks, actually. Because I just think it's that important. I think prayer is the most important thing that we can do as individuals. I think prayer is the most important thing that we can do as local churches. To develop to Christ-like characteristics, of course, in our own hearts, and in our individual hearts, but also in our congregations. And hopefully out through the community. I tried to preach this series last year at my, at my former church, and it was during the pandemic, and uh, we were not meeting in person. We were doing it. We were we were doing it on video, and I just never I, I never felt good about it because I thought it was not because I'm great, but I just thought it was it was a good good series to preach on for people to be hearing, and I really felt like God was pushing me towards towards preaching this, towards teaching this these things, and I, I was just never satisfied with it because because of being it, it being in the pandemic, and I never, I just never felt like it was able to be received the way that I think God wants it to be received. So I hope that we, um, I hope that we, um, I hope that we receive this well, um, and I hope that we as a church are able to put this into practice. First and foremost, what I want you guys to understand about prayer, if you don't get nothing out of these next several weeks, is that prayer is about learning to adapt our wills or to change our wills to the will of God. At the end of the day, I don't care if you're practicing confession, I don't care if you're practicing repentance, I don't care if you're asking God for something in your personal life, I don't care if you're praying for intercessory type prayers on the behalf of other people. Whatever the condition, whatever it is we are praying, it's always about learning to adapt our wills to the will of God as opposed to what a lot of us do a lot of the time, and that is trying to get God to conform to our will, trying to get God to give us what we want, when we want it, how we want it. It doesn't work like that. God has a will for everything. 
Prayer at the end of the day is always about changing, adapting our will to the will of God. I want to look at one quick scripture real, real fast. And it comes out of the Gospel of Luke, and it's Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Y'all can find it in your bulletin, or you can read it right, right here on the screen. So one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. That's the word of God for the people of God. So by now, you know, over the last four months or so, you guys probably have figured out that I really enjoy talking about and engaging you guys to, uh, encouraging you guys to engage in a lot of spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Scripture reading, meditating on scripture like we did, like we, like we practiced last week. Silence, solitude, fasting, confession, all of, uh, attending church is a, is a, is a spiritual discipline. Um, and I love talking about all those things, but at the end of the day, the most simple, the most basic of all Christian practices, all Christian spiritual disciplines is prayer. Simple prayer. And all of us know this. It is the most rudimentary. It is the most basic of all the spiritual practices. And at the same time, it can almost be one of the most feared, one of the most, or one of the least utilized, sometimes even the most one of the most intimidating for us. A lot of people are intimidated by the idea of prayer. That may seem strange to some of us. To some of you, not, not so much, because you understand what I'm talking about. So why is that? Why do, we, why, do we, why do we fear God? Why are we intimidated a lot of times to go before our Creator, the one who loves us more than anyone ever has or ever will, the one who already knows the intentions of our hearts, the one who already knows our minds before we even think about putting them into the words of our mouth. Here's another question. If we truly, truly believe, Kevin, as you mentioned this morning, if we truly, truly believe in the power of God, why is he so oftentimes the absolute last source that we go to in times of need, in times of doubt, in times of trouble? Why do we try to figure all this stuff out? We'll do anything in the world except go to God. Why do we do that? Those are just some of the questions you might ask yourselves when you're considering these, the idea of you know, prayer and your prayer life, those types of things. I've posed these questions to myself. I'm, I, you know, I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. But I've posed some of these very same questions to myself. Why don't I do that? Why don't I go to God more? Why is it a struggle for me sometimes to sit down and take the time that I need to take with God? Why is it a struggle? Why can't why can I pray with you guys at the altar or, or go to the hospital and, and, and pray like a, you know, like a champ? But I struggle to pray with my wife and my family very often. We all have issues with prayer. I would contend that one of the most common reasons behind some of these questions is we simply don't know how to pray. We simply don't know how to pray. We've got a desire to go before God a lot of times. We've got a desire to seek His love. We've got a desire to seek His, His, His companionship, His guidance, even divine intervention when we need it especially in the times of crisis. But we're fearful for some reason, or we're intimidated sometimes for whatever reason. Or maybe at the end of the day, we just simply don't know how to pray. You know, whenever somebody comes, whenever a new Christian comes into the church, uh, specifically, whenever somebody you know, gives their life to Christ initially, and, and we 
welcome into the body of Christ, into the local church. And, and they want to know what they can do, you know, to, to be a Christian, so to speak. And we generally tell them two things. Y'all know what those two things are? Somebody throw a couple out there. That's all right. I'll help you out. We generally tell them two things. Pray and read your Bible. And that is, it's sad to, as sad as this is to say, a lot of times, that is generally a, our discipleship program. Pray and read your Bible. Pray and read your Bible. Well, what happens? Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever been taught how to read your Bible in church? Has anybody ever been taught how to pray in church? Probably not. If it has, it's been a rare, rare occasion. Pray and read your Bible, yet we, don't, yet we fail to teach people the very simple and most elementary elements of our faith and, how to, and growing in our faith. We don't know how to read our Bible. We don't know how to pray because nobody taught us. We're sending them out, you know, as lambs among lions, so to speak. And we fail each other in that way. So as we see from today's scripture, we're not the only ones who don't know how to pray. The disciples didn't know how to pray. Not to the degree, anyway, that Jesus prayed. And that's why they asked him, even though they'd spent a lot of time with him already. God, Jesus, teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples. They sought his instruction on how to communicate with God, how to have that intimate relationship. Lord, teach us to pray, they said, because here's the thing, they knew that Jesus had a very rich and he had a very deep prayer life and he had a very, very intimate relationship with the Father. They undoubtedly observed this and we can observe this throughout all the stories in the Gospels. We see Jesus praying for others. We see Jesus going off a lot of times and here's where we get some of our ideas about silence and solitude. We see Jesus taking himself away from the crowds a lot of times, intentionally separating himself from people to go off to be in silence, to be in solitude with his Father. It's one of the ways he prays. We see Jesus praising God, offering him worship. We see him practicing intercession, praying on the behalf of other people. We see him experiencing gratitude in his prayers. We see him petitioning God to intervene on the behalf of people. So he was their model. Certainly they all observed this. And he, may return, he, may, he continues to be our model today. So when they ask him this, Jesus gives them what we see in the scriptures. And immediately after this, <coughs> we find Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. There's two versions of the Lord's Prayer in the Bible. There's one in the Gospel of Luke, and there's one in the Gospel of Matthew. The one out of the Gospel of Matthew is the one that most of us have memorized and most of us pray. Anyway, in Luke's version, when they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples, that's where we find, again, the Luke version of the Lord's Prayer. And he teaches them to pray that short, beautiful, and yet very, very complex prayer to God. And the Lord's Prayer is going to serve as our model over the next few weeks as we learn to pray like Jesus prayed, as we learn to pray like Jesus taught. We're also going to explore some different prayer practices. The one that we did last week was a prayer practice. We're going to explore some other different prayer practices that have been passed on 
for centuries throughout the church. I will tell you this, most of a good portion or a good bit of the material that I'm going to be, uh, this is more teaching, I guess, than it is preaching, but um, a good bit of the material that I'm going to be teaching on comes out of a book that I discovered about two years ago, and, and I love to give credit to my sources. I, felt, I, um, I don't like to cheat. <clears throat> but it's a book called How to Pray, and it's by a guy named Peter Gregg, G-R-E-I-G. And uh, Pete Gregg is a pastor and an author, obviously, um, over in Great Britain. And I, I don't even know where I, where I was, uh, who, who pointed me to this. But when I got it and I read it, it was hands down, is hands down one of the best books, I've, probably the best book I've ever read on prayer. Um, it's written very, very simply. Um, it's, not, it's not an academic book. But I just, I really cannot give it enough praise. So if you ever want to sit down and read a book on just the subject of prayer, I highly, highly recommend this one. And again, a lot of the stuff that we're going to go over comes uh, directly out of, out of this book. It was, uh, it was really one of the most beneficial tools I've ever used in expanding my own prayer life, my own enriching enriching my prayer life and my, my own intimacy with God. So it's sincerely my hope that over the next few sermons that we will be able to glean some of the same insights, some of the same prayer practices as I was able to glean when I, when I went through this the first time. And that our prayer practices as a church, not just as individuals, but our prayer practices as a church hopefully will start to flourish um, like never before. And I sincerely, sincerely believe that'll happen, that if we'll open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, that God can and certainly will use this time over the next several weeks to deepen our relationship with Him, to enrich our relationship with Him, and our personal and congregational growth as disciples of Christ. And I just want to tell you a little bit, this, again, this is just kind of an introductory thing, but I want to tell you about several things, that will be, a number of things we'll be covering as we explore the Lord's Prayer, we're going to um, incorporate several different paths or several different practices of prayer. The first one is one that we talked about last week a little bit, and that's simply the idea of stillness. We live in such a hurried and rushed society. We have lost the ability to simply be still. Being still is very important in our prayer lives, just simply recognizing the very real presence of God who is always with us who is always with us is very important. That's one of the places we're going to start. We're going to learn just to be still and just to appreciate being in the presence of God. The second thing we're going to talk about is the idea of adoration or what we call worship, basically. We worship God in, during our prayer times. We worship God in our prayer lives. This is where we express our love and our gratitude for, uh, for our Creator. We're going to talk about the idea of petition. This is where we spend a good deal of our prayer time, most of us. This is where we ask God for stuff. We're going to talk about intercession. This is where we pray on the behalf of other people. Perseverance. This is a very important one. Perseverance. A lot of us give up in our prayer life because we just give up. We get tired of it. We don't see the responses that we're hoping for. And we just stop. So we're going to talk about perseverance. Continuing on. Continuing on. We're going to be talking about contemplation, which is kind of part of the idea of what we did last week with our scriptures. Contemplating scriptures. Meditating on scriptures, listening to God. Two-way communication. Remember I said that last week. Prayer is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. It's not me just talking at God. It's about me learning to listen. To listen to God. Because God has something to say to each and every one of us. So 
talk about confession. All of us know what that is, and we'll talk about uh, a little bit. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare in our prayer lives as well. Those things that interrupt, those things to see that seek to interrupt our prayer lives. So before we go today, I want to talk about two things. I want to take the two things I'd like you guys to remember, two things I'd like you to take home and begin incorporating into your own prayer lives, maybe this week. The first thing that we're going to discuss is going to be our prayer model. And our prayer model is going to carry on with us over the next several weeks. It's the model that we're going to be using throughout the, uh, throughout the entire series on prayer. And, uh, and hopefully beyond. Hopefully beyond we'll continue to use it in our, in our prayer lives. This is a, uh, an acronym. My wife loves acronyms. So we have an acronym so we can easily understand how to uh, follow this prayer model for our lives. And I'm going to tell you, well, they messed up my joke. I was going to tell you it was very complicated <laughs> and very difficult to learn. So that's, that, that was going to be my joke. But anyway, haha. So yeah, it's an easy one. It's an easy acronym for us to, uh, to remember to start incorporating this model of prayer into our lives, and that acronym is PRAY, P-R-A-Y. The first P stands for pause, and we can pretty much figure out what that means initially. Just stop. we got to stop, and that's what I mentioned a minute ago when I talked about stillness. We are in uncomfortable in stillness. I asked you guys last week who was, who was really uncomfortable last week when we did that prayer exercise that required a lot of silence and a lot of stillness, and I'm sure a lot of y'all were. Pause. This is where we simply stop and we recognize the fact that we serve a big God, that we are always in the presence of God. Always, always. I would love to be able to go 24 hours a day or at least during my waking hours with that knowledge and that awareness of God's presence. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody in this room can do that. But we can seek intentionally to do this during our prayer times. And it's nothing. It's just a matter of sitting still for a few seconds, just sit still for a few seconds before you enter into that intimate, precious time with God, recognizing His presence, giving Him your heart during that time that you're about to spend together. The second R, the second letter is R. It's got two meanings. It's reflect and rejoice. This is our time to worship God. This is our time where we express thankfulness. This is our times where we express gratitude to our Creator for whatever, for whatever purpose, whatever reasons we have. And we do have many, many, many reasons to express thankfulness and gratitude for God. Another, thing, another way that we rejoice, too, and I encourage you to do this. This is something that I started incorporating into my own prayer life probably about two, two and a half years ago. is to start praying some of the Psalms. You know, the psalm is the ancient prayer book of the Jewish people, of the Hebrew people. The psalms would have been the prayers that Jesus prayed himself. And a major theme throughout the psalms is worship. major theme throughout the psalms is thankfulness and gratitude for God. So I would encourage you, if, you're, if you'd like to, or at least, or at least give it a shot anyway, to, starting, to start learning to pray the psalms during these, during these points in your prayer time. A, ask. This is where we spend, again, most of our time, more than likely, in our, in our prayer times right now in God. This is where we ask God for stuff. This is where we petition God for stuff. This is where we ask God for help 
and uh, whatever direction we might need in our personal lives. So the A is pretty self-explanatory. Um, this is also the time that we engage in intercession. This is the time when we start when we pray for others, pray for other people, pray for the needs of other people. So yeah, we're praying for ourselves, and we're also we're asking for ourselves, and we're also asking for the needs of other people. And finally, the Y stands for yield. And uh, again, that's pretty self-explanatory, and it's very it's very similar to pausing to a degree. Um, this is where we listen to God, folks. This is, this is where we, hope we, we quit talking and we start listening. This is one of those parts of prayer that most of us are not accustomed to doing. I wasn't accustomed to doing this a number of years ago. And, it's, and now it has become the most important aspect of my prayer times with God is shutting my mouth and just trying to listen. I'm not hearing him through that still small voice, at least just trusting that God is working in me without my knowledge. That's what we call grace. In the Methodist tradition, we call that what, folks? My Wednesday night group? Means of grace. Means of grace, prevenient grace. God working in us when we don't even know he's doing the work. Kevin. And that's how that happens. You know, most of the time, God's not going to speak to us through burning bushes anymore, folks. Um, and I think that's what that's what a lot of us want. We're, you know, we're <clears throat> we're not gonna we're not gonna learn to follow His voice unless we become willing to listen. And that's not really something that I could teach so much. As it is something that I really highly encourage. The best thing you can do with this thing is practice, 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 practice. Another part of yielding, of course, is practicing the art. And the discipline of confession and repentance. We are yielding our will to the will of God. This is where we search our hearts. Where have we sinned? Where have we fallen short? Where would we like to change? This is when we take those things to Christ. Through repentance and through confession. So there's an easy, easy model for all of us to follow. And you can start incorporating this thing into your lives this week if you'd like to. I would say try not to get too rigid with it. It's not an exact science. You don't have to incorporate these things into any particular order. I just like I happen to like the I happen to like the prayer acronym, but you can you can certainly ask first, reflect second, and pause third if you want to. Uh, but just give it a shot. Again, you ain't got to be rigid with it. Um, you don't have to climb it like the rungs on a ladder. Just use them as a guide. Use them as a guide to consider when you're spending that time with God. Finally, the last thing what I want to mention before we head to the house is uh, probably one of the most prof profound expressions <laughs> from the book that I, uh, that I uh, referenced to you guys today. And that's how we engage our prayer life, or that's how we characterize our prayer life. And we do it in three, in three little ways. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Don't try to complicate your prayers. I used to love those, those men in church, especially in the Pentecostal church, um, who could get up and they could pray these huge, these long, these lofty prayers. They're just like, wow, you know, you feel like God's in the room with you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I used to love that stuff. I can't pray like that. And I'm going to guess most of y'all can't pray like that either. 
you know, I remember coming up in another tradition in the church, and they would just go on forever and ever and ever. And I was like, man, you know, I, I can't pray like that guy. I can't. We don't have to. We don't have to, folks. Keep your prayers simple. It's more about the condition of our heart than it is the loftiness of our of our words and our and our and our vocabulary. Keep it simple. Keep it simple when you go to God. Don't try to complicate it. Be honest with God. Be truthful with God. God already knows your mind. He already knows your heart. He already knows your intentions before you even think about expressing them to him. There's no sense in being inauthentic with God. There's no sense in being inauthentic. Keep it real with him. Remember what I've told you guys before about the Psalms. Remember how some of these guys prayed in the Psalms that the Psalms are some of the most, it's probably the, a, a collection of some of the most authentic and, and real writings throughout scripture because you got people expressing a lot of stuff. You got people of course expressing worship and gratitude, those type of things, but they're also expressing a lot of anger. They're also expressing a lot of madness. A lot of that madness is directed in God's direction. And that's in our Bible. If he can take some of the stuff that was written in the Psalms, he can certainly take whatever we're going to throw at him. Don't be afraid to approach God with your anger. Don't be afraid to approach God with, with, with sin that you're struggling with. He already knows. He already knows. Keep it real. Keep it real. Finally, keep on praying. Keep it up. Keep it up. Just keep on praying. If you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. Persevere in your prayer life. Persevere, persevere, persevere. Here's a great quote from the book that talks about perseverance. Peter writes, you cannot grow in prayer without some measure of effort. You cannot grow in prayer without some measure of effort and discomfort. Self-discipline, self-denial. Just, just as you cannot get physically fit without regular exercise and a healthy diet, so your spiritual growth will be determined to a very significant extent by the prayer exercises you choose or do not choose to establish and sustain. It takes practice, folks. It takes practice. Don't give up. Keep it simple. Keep it real and keep it up. Make it easy for yourself would be my last suggestion. Make, if, you, if you don't really have an established prayer life with God right now, don't Start by trying to make it even harder. Don't think that you're going to go into this thing, but that you're going to sit down with God for 15 or 20 minutes. You're not. Start off slow. If you don't, again, if you don't already have an established prayer life, start off with five minutes. Set yourself a time, a specific place, and just give God five minutes every time. Try using this model. If you're not good, or you don't think you're good at praying, what you're going to find out is the more you pray, the more you want to pray. The more you start praying, the more you're going to want to start praying a little bit more. These five-minute periods with God are going to turn into 10-minute periods. These 10-minute periods are going to turn into 15-minute periods. These 15-minute periods will turn into 30-minute periods. But start somewhere. Again, if you don't already have an established prayer time, so I hope you guys are looking forward to this short series as much as I am. This, this is one of the things I love to talk about so much is just, it's just prayer. Again, Christianity 101. Again, Kevin, the most powerful thing that we've got at our disposal. The most powerful thing we've got at our disposal to affect 
change in ourselves, to affect change in our churches, to affect change in the world around us. Why is it the last thing that we go to? <laughs> I'm going to uh, open up the altar at this time. If anybody would like to uh, come and pray for whatever reason, I'd invite you to come up here. Uh, if you need me to pray for you or if you would like me to pray for you, I would love to do so for whatever need that you might have. If you're considering joining the church, I'd love to, uh, to, to uh, welcome you to do that as well. Thank you guys again so, so much. Altar is open.